Okay. Morning. Um, I'm Terry. If you're a guest today, I guess you should know my name. My name is Terry. And um, I, I just, thanks, if you've come today as a guest um, and you've never been in this church, or maybe you haven't been in any church before, I, I assure you um, this will be a safe place for you. And I, I, I feel like a couple of things I want to mention, um, we, who we are. We, we um, are not an organization here to fill you with our philosophies. What we believe is that the Word of God will lead us to heaven, will lead us to Christ. And so what we try to do here is always in alignment with God's Word. And um, we value the Word of God. We value worshiping. And um, just by way of teaching, um, if I walked into a place and I'd never been in church before and hadn't really read much of the Bible, and somebody starts using the word Yahweh, I'd think, what kind of weird thing is going on here? So let me just explain it to you. In the Old Testament... Um, there are places where God's name is written, and the Hebrews believed that the name of God was so holy, you couldn't say it. So in the Hebrew language, they subtracted the vowels so that no one, nobody would know how to pronounce it. And when it's written in there and you see it's all uppercase, it would be the English equivalent of the Hebrew's letters would be Y-H-W-H. Yahweh, I guess is how we figured it. So we, we, we guess what the name sounds like, and that's where the word Yahweh comes. It's a made-up word. But in our hearts, it's the best we know of, of declaring the name of God in worship. And uh, um, in spite of the, the Hebrew practice of, 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 of reverence, reverence, they didn't want to pronounce it, God told Moses, use my name when you go tell these people. So we're, we've been studying Moses. I wanted you to explain that to you and tell you thanks for coming and um, hope you feel welcome here because we love people. And food is one of our priorities too. We value food. So after church, there's going to be cookies and coffee and hot chocolate and so forth and in some fellowship. I love the, um, the fact that we're baptizing next week, and I encourage you. Thanks, Lisa, for mentioning that. Um, and so next, next week, baptism is a big deal. It's, it's more than a ritual. It is more than a ritual. Things happen um, in our hearts. And also, I know, Steve, people have responsibilities right after service, but I also want to say that um, although we have a healthy, vibrant worship community, the reason that I believe the Lord has deposited vision into Steve's soul about ex this, this announcement he made is because of, of you. For those of you who the Lord is signaling, you know, you really should be a part of this. This is your blessing that you'd miss if you don't do it. So I encourage you to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying there and get involved in that. So, okay. Down to, to my business here, and that's the Word of God. I love the book of Proverbs. Today's the 12th. I chose a, a verse um, for our proverb of the day, verse 18. The tongue of the wise promotes health. Okay, I need to have a wise tongue. I've been a wise guy for my whole life, I suppose. So, okay, so we're in our week two of um, our series, Finding Our Identity in God. And today we're going to see insecurity at work in Moses' life. Um, and so I want to start with this first big thought. God has a plan for every person. He has a plan for every single one of you. Um, it's, a, it's, a powerful, it's, it's a very, very powerful plan for every single person here. Jeremiah 29, 11 um, tells us, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And he's got specific plans, and he knows those plans. And I would just could say that God's plans for you fall into three major categories. Three major categories. Number one would, would be, what he wants to do for you. I'm, I'm, I'm grad, grateful that God doesn't just want to forgive Terry um, and forgive us of our sins, but he also wants to give us a future and a hope. So God has a plan involves what he wants to do for you. Second thing is that God, um, God's plan involves what he wants to do in you. He doesn't want to just save you. Um, he wants to change you. 
Believe it or not, God wants to change us, and he wants to do some things for you, and he wants to do some things in you. And then God has a plan for what he wants to do through you. He doesn't want to just do some things for you and in you. He wants to do some things through you. And he doesn't, he doesn't want to just impact your life. He wants to impact other people's lives through you. And I've been doing this pastor thing for quite a number of years now. And let me just tell you how this, goes, this, this truth goes over with people. The first, when you tell people that God wants to do some things for you, we are all in. We're saying, that sounds really good. I like that a lot. Um, you know, the more the better. In fact, bring it on God. Here's a funnel. Let's let, make sure we don't spill any. You know, let's, let's get that all. So people love it when God wants to do things for us. When we teach the truth that God wants to do some things in us, we think to ourselves, well, okay, you know, everybody needs some improvement. And, you know, I suppose, hypothetically, I could use some work, maybe a little bit of a tune-up here and there. And um, I guess, so keep the for-me stuff coming, God. And I suppose there's some room in there for some in-me, too, if you think so. But when we get down to God's plan that he wants to do some things through us, people are like, well, you know... (laughs) Pastor Terry and Lisa, maybe, because they exercise some of those through him kind of gifts. Um, and uh, I, 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 but, but for me, maybe it's just, you know, I like the stuff that God wants to do for me, and maybe it's okay if he has to do some things in me, if he has to, but not through me, because, you know, that's just for other people and the people that have those kind of through me kind of gifts. Most Christians don't embrace um, with their whole heart that part of God's plan for them. And God doesn't want to just do things for you and in you. He wants to do some things through you. He does. And, and the reason why most people are not open to the through you part is because they're insecure. They don't see the potential of what God wants to do. The focus is on their own weaknesses. It's, it's on their own failures, our, our own shortcomings. And as a result of that, most Christians don't even get really near the things that God wants to do through them. And um, the, way, the, the way that that's happening is because of insecurity. And the antidote to security is I am. I am as in Y-H-W-H, as in I am that I am. That is the antidote to insecurity. Today is going to be about finding your identity in God, overcoming insecurity. And Moses, Moses had it. I mean, we have it. We have insecurity in God's plan. If it's going to be realized in us, we have to figure out how to conquer insecurity. You're going to remember from last week, if you were here, God had given Moses um, a job to do. Exodus 3.10, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, at this point, he's dealing with more than a couple million people. It's just a big crowd. Who, these people had been living as slaves, and they were God's people, and God wanted to move the nation of Israel back to the land that he had promised them. So he's calling Moses. He's saying, Moses, come on. I got a plan for you. I want you to do this. Um, Exodus 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered, but behold, they'll not believe me or listen to my voice, for they'll say, the Lord, the I am, did not appear to you. And this isn't good. This is his insecurity talking. I think insecurity is probably easier to experience than it is to understand. I mean... Most of us know what insecurity feels like. Um, you know, I, I see some of you young guys right after you've worked out and you're all, you know, full of energy and buff. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, as they are, I was. <laughs> but I'm also thinking, as I am, they will be. 
It's, insecurity is this gap between what we believe we should be and what we know we actually are. It's insecurity. Insecurity is my awareness of a gap between who I want to be and who I am. And when you feel like, well, I'm just not this, I'm not that, I'm, I'm not enough, I just don't have it, it's that anxious and um, uneasy and unsettled, fearful feeling. And you probably have areas in your life where you feel like, you know, I'm, in this area, I don't have a gap, I'm good to go. And um, I, I have what I need to, ha- to have in order to handle what's coming this way. And that's a great feeling. But there are those times when we do feel that gap. So here are two mistakes that are commonly made dealing with insecurity. Number one, we try to power up over it. You know, you feel insecure in the gym. Not all of you will feel this way because you have not experienced You feel insecure at the gym because the guy next to you just got done bench pressing 300 pounds. <laughs> So what are you going to do? I'm going to try it. That is a mistake. I'm telling you it is a mistake. You know, and when you see someone who is trying to power up over it, whatever their circumstance in life, when you're observing it from the outside, what comes to mind is, you know, what's with that? Why is, he try- why is she trying so hard? And um, you probably said that to yourself. And the answer is that the reason they're trying is because they're trying to close that gap. Some people don't, um, don't, they don't do that. They don't try to power up over things. Instead, they become passive, almost paralyzed. I, I just don't care about this anymore. I mean, it's, you know, there was, that was a different time in my life, and I just, you know, I, 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 these guys are wasting their time. And you try to close, close that gap by just saying, well, I don't care. And um, fathers sometimes can feel this way in respect to their children. They feel like, you know, I just can't be what I have to be here. Or, you know, spouses feel it, or employees feel it, or pastors feel it. Everybody feels it at times. And Moses felt it. You know, I, I would have wanted to say to Moses, and I think God was trying to say to him, Moses, you've been born for a purpose. You know, you've been called by God. You, you, you grew up in a palace. You're, 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 you're 80 years old now, Moses. I mean, aren't you over this yet? Answer, No. I'm not. He wasn't. So we're going to walk through three expressions of insecurity that Moses shows us, and um, God answers, going to give him an answer every time, but we're going to skip over the answers part of this until we come later, later in, in the message. So, okay, so first one that we see in, in Moses is, is what I'm going to call pattern insecurity. I have a pattern. I've got a past. The thinking here is, I'm not believable. So, so, so God tells Moses to, to lead Israel home. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they'll say, the Lord did not appear to you. He, he's thinking they're going to say, no way, Moses. You're dreaming dreams. You know, God didn't really call you. Just get a good night's rest. Um, he didn't call you. You made this whole thing up. I mean, how do we know that God really called you? I mean, we remember who you are. Remember that? Remember you were a murderer? You killed that guy? And... This is kind of what we feel when we step out to be used by God. We feel what Moses was feeling. You know, God, you're asking me to be a spiritual leader? I mean, but they know that I'm not even close to perfect. He feels insecure. So my question is, how is that different than how you and I feel? I mean, for example, you know, as a father... You maybe come to a conclusion, you know what, I'm going to start leading my family spiritually, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to read scripture to my kids, but then you start thinking to yourself, well, 
they know that I'm not everything I'm supposed to be. And you start feeling that gap. So I either power up over it in a way that's not authentic and it's too strong and the kids are going, what is this all about? Or I, I just get passive and I don't do what God wants me to do because I feel insecure. Husbands feel this, you know. You know I want to pray with my wife and I feel good when I pray with my wife, but she was with me yesterday and she knows my failures and I become passive and paralysis kind of sets in. And I can't advance in God's plans because I feel this, this gap so acutely. Moms feel it. You know, when, when I want to talk to my children and raise them, but they remember just an hour ago, I was screaming at them in the van. <laughs> I, I better pull back until I get this all together. And that's just a bad decision. That's just a bad decision because if you decide to walk the sideline until you're already everything that God wants you to be, then you're not going to experience the goodness of God um, and, and the highest and best plans that he has for your life. So Moses was feeling it. We feeling it. We, we feel it. Pattern insecurity. Second one is performance insecurity. Performance. I'm thinking, I'm not capable. Exodus 4, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. I got to think this is cleaned up somehow. I mean, I don't know because, you know, I think what he's saying to God is, God, I don't talk good, you know, or something. <laughs> not only that, but there's more to this, I think, in this. I think he's saying, I, I, don't, I don't talk that well, God, but he's also saying, you know what? You knew this about me, God, back at the burning bush. You want to use me, God, and I got this problem, and you haven't fixed it. You want to use me, and you haven't fixed this. You get this thing. He's kind of, I, I think he's kind of insecure and maybe perplexed, and maybe a little bit, he's got a little bit of an attitude. Sometimes, you know, um, you know he's saying, I'm not capable. He's saying, I'm not capable. And I think sometimes, you know, we're insecure, and it's not about believability, it's not about credibility, and it's not about integrity. Sometimes it's about our capability. And here are two things about capability. One, everybody has things about which they feel insecure. Everybody's got things that they feel insecure about. Listen, to you who are our regulars here and you've heard me for the last nine plus years um, up here doing things, you know that my personal temperament and makeup is not to be standing here in front of you. I really don't want you to look at Would you please just all turn around and face the other wall? I'd rather, I really don't like having people, I don't want, I'm not, I wasn't, I, I'm being corrected by the Holy Spirit as I go. But it's not easy for me to be in front of you, okay? Um, I, I just, uh, I, I'm in public ministry, and I have been for decades, and, um, and without exception, every time I get in front of people, I'm nervous, unhealthy nervous almost. And if I didn't have complete assurances from the Lord that if I show up and stand here and, and teach his word, that he'll be here, I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it. I mean, I make jokes with people. Well, uh, how was the church service? It was fine. It was another Sunday. They didn't take me out back and stone me. I think that's a good Sunday. No matter what else happens, I survived. I mean, I, sometimes I kind of feel that way. So knowing that about me, okay, that I'm not up here because I like attention. That is not why I'm here. So knowing that about me, here's the story I want to tell you. Lisa and I go every, every year, we go to the Foursquare Convention, which is something we're supposed to do, and our bosses say, you need to be there. So we go... And um, I just want to be this guy that's in the background. 
I'm not leading services. I don't have any responsibilities. Occasionally, I've taught some things and done some little things in often some little dusty corner of the deal. But I'm really not a personality there. That I'm not that well known. And uh, so picture this. We're in a place, and there's about 5,000 pastors and, um, or so. I don't know. It's a lot of people. And a lot of them are very notable people. They've got radio programs, and they've, got, they've published more books than I have words. I mean, they just got all these, there's all these impressive people, impressive people. And, and um, okay, so in picture, this is Foursquare. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be at work. The gift of prophecy, the gift of, of, of tongues and interpretation and so forth. We believe that those things are at work. So, so now you have a room packed full of pastors who believe in the gifts of the Spirit and have come, and they want to hear from the Lord, but they want to encourage people. So there's all this stuff going on. There's a lot, there's a lot going on at these conventions. So um, we get there, and um, they're, trying to have a, they're trying to have meetings where there's worship, and there's people teach, and there's other things that are going on. So there's a lot of structure to these things. But you know what? The Holy Spirit gives the gifts as he wills, and sometimes um, a prophetic word will happen. Well, the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about, and it gives examples, you can look it up in 1 Corinthians 14, about probably verse 25 or 26, and read a handful of verses there. It talks about how do you maintain order in a meeting like this? You don't just go, hey, and, and a person has a prophetic word, and another person has a prophetic word, and another one, and another one. The scripture specifically says, hey, all you people are going to get together, and they're going to be people with prophetic words, and people with tongues, and interpretations. How do we keep order? And it basically says, well, two or three people can do it in a meeting. That's what the scripture says. And someone has to judge the words. Okay, so here's where I'm going with this. Lisa and I show up minding our own business, and since I'm at Foursquare and I'm trying to be nobody there, I'm always wearing shorts and casual. <laughs> kind of. Isn't that pretty much I wear shorts almost all the time? Um, you know, so, <laughs> so we show up at... It, somebody said, what's, what's snow got to do with it? It does nothing. Okay, so, so we show up, um, we show up, and we're at this convention in, uh, a few years ago, and this person who is very well-known in Foursquare, very well-respected and loved and followed, um, grabs us and says, hey, I've got something for you to do. Do you see that chair? You're going to go sit there during the public meetings. I am, why? Now, this chair is the front row on the corner. <laughs> why am I doing this? Because um, if people have prophetic words, it has to be judged before it can be allowed up on the, up on the stage. I, I'm about to get sick to my stomach right now just telling you about this story. <laughs> this guy who doesn't want to be in front of people and doesn't want, I'm going to, you're telling me that I'm going to be the one to make that assessment. People who don't know me are going to come to me and I'm going to say, you know, that's, that's really good, that's God, but that's not for now. Go back to your seat. <laughs> I'm going to do that? Yeah. insecurity was oozing out of every pore. <laughs> but I'm not capable. How am I going to tell these people who are way more experienced, way more godly, way all this stuff more than me? I'm going to judge their prophetic word. I'm just telling you, I'm not qualified to tell these people no. I'm not qualified to tell these people yes. And I got shorts on. <laughs> Listen. On the issue of shorts, I mean, I, I wear long. I, I, I feel like I'm dressed up right here, and I'm, I shouldn't tell you this, but there is someone who told me that they, that they, they, they didn't, did not believe 
that I could be teaching the Word of God because I wear jeans. Okay, so whatever. All right, so um, whatever that means. The point, my point is that <laughs> everybody has these things. You might come to church and think, oh, Terry's got this all together. He's got all this confidence and he does these things. I'm really good at masking it because I just push through. But I am telling you how much insecurity was oozing out of me that day. And I know I trust the Lord. I know if the Lord asked me to do something, listen, I'm dry mouth right now thinking about this, but I know that the Lord won't abandon me. I've not led you out this far to leave you and abandon you, but to bring you back again. Everybody, everybody has these feelings of weakness, of frailty, of I can't do this, of I'm not good at this. Stop allowing yourself to think that you're the only person that feels those things. Okay, so everybody has things. Second thing is, is another mistake about capabilities. Innate capability is an illusion. You know, um, we tend to look at people who are maybe in our minds greatly being used by God. They're impacting other people, and we think, well, they were born with that. You know, they just have this innate ability that I don't have. If I had those talents, you know, if I could do those things, then you know, I'd do more to serve God, but, but you know, that thinking is incorrect. Um, a few, few years ago, I read this book by a guy named Malcolm Gladwell. It's called Outliers. And maybe some of you have read it. Um, Outliers, a story of success. By the way, when I mention a book up here, I'm not endorsing the book. I just read books and I read stuff. And sometimes there's something worth, worthwhile and sometimes it's junk, you know. And this particular book had some worthwhile and it had some junk in it. But one of the interesting things um, that I read in there that, um, in, uh, that, that I saw was this, that, he, that he basically proposes that the biggest factor behind success is called the rule of 10,000. The rule of 10,000. So he postulates that no matter what the subject, music, baseball, sports, sales, computer programming, no matter what it is, True mastery comes after 10,000 repetitions. So you could bat 300 and be considered a total success by failing 70% of the time if you had 10,000 at-bats. And the way that that works is they start in Little League and they work it up, and by the time they get there, they've done it so many times, they're really good at it. Um, And he gives example after example after example of, um, of this pointing out that the amount of talent somebody possesses is not a shortcut to success. He, he suggests that, uh, that after there's some given level of aptitude, um, the single greatest contributing factor to success is, is effort, trying it over and over and over again. And now listen, our culture loves to cheer on the talents and, and the successes of you know, Tiger Woods and John Lennon and um, you know, Bill Gates and people of every field. But the most common trait shared between those different people isn't, um, it, it isn't what you think. It's, it's, it's that they worked at it over and over and over and over again. Listen, the Beatles took the storm over a period of six, 36 months, and I'm not here to press them or not. I, you know, I like their music. Um, I hate some of the messages. But they sweated and labored in a cheesy strip club for years seven days a week, multiple sets every day in some seedy place in Germany before they ever had a successful song. 
I'm not suggesting you go down that route. I'm just saying it isn't that John Lennon was this genius born with his gift. He worked at it and he owned it. And if you feel insecure, like Moses did, about your abilities, you know, I'm not capable, I'm not believable. Moses made two mistakes. He, he, he thought his insecurities were unique just to him. And he thought that the key to success was capability. But it isn't, it's effort. So here's how this flow of conversation went between Moses and God. Okay, God, I, I, I want to I sort of do it, but they're not going to believe me. When I tell them this, they're just not going to believe me, you know, because I don't talk all that well. And the Lord gives him some answers, which we're going to get to in a minute. So now here goes the, the real reason. Uh, Exodus 4, verse 13. But Moses said, oh, my Lord, please send somebody else. Okay? The real issue here is not his believability. It's not his capability or his talent. The issue here is his availability, his willingness, his selfish insecurity. I'm not willing. Now, we've kind of drilled down here to bedrock. This is where the rubber kind of meets the road. Moses said, you know, I want to do this. But what he actually said to God was, no. No, God. He said, I won't. He said, I won't to the I am. You know? And we're going to get to God's response to this in just a minute. But you see, he's saying, no, God, no. Please find somebody else. Moses agreed that the children of Israel needed to be let out. He agreed that God's plan was right. He just disagreed with God's HR approach. You know, I like your plan, God, you know, but, but, but you got the wrong guy. You know, but let's do this. I want to be on the train. I don't want to be up in the engine. I want to be in the caboose. You know, I'll go along, but I don't want to be the guy. Here's the important lesson there. Be careful about agreeing with God in the abstract, but refusing him in the reality. Agreeing in the abstract, but refusing in the reality. You know, here's what I mean by that. For example, John chapter 4 says that God is, it basically teaches us that God is looking for worshipers. Did you know that? God's looking for worshipers. The God of the universe is looking for people who will ascribe worth to him and who live for his praise. So and God's planning to you know, reveal himself incredible to ways to people who, are, who have a heart to worship him. So here's the question. Do you agree with that in the abstract? And is it actually going on in your life? You know, are, are you a more faithful, uh, a more fervent worshiper today than you were five months ago or five years ago? Are you growing in your fervency and your faithfulness and worshiping God? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not everything I should be during the week, so I'm just not believable. Or, or I don't have a voice. <laughs> That's my excuse. <laughs> so I'm not capable. You know, I've, I'll tell you what. I can come to the, um, the music meeting. I've, ever since I was a little boy, I've wanted to um, ring the, the, blow the whistle on a train. Do you have one of those in your band? Because I'm your guy if that's it. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a weaselly answer, wasn't it? Okay, so um, we get them, they come behind out back, you just got to run out and grab one as they come by. So, you know, you know, I don't have a voice like other people. He's just, at the end of the day, what he's really saying to God is no. No, the answer is no. Another example is Matthew 28. Jesus sent out his disciples and he gives them this command, go into the world and make disciples. So the question, of course, is you agree that um, God wants us to make disciples, but are you discipling anybody? 
You know, it can happen by being in a small group where you have the opportunity to speak into people's lives. It, it, it can happen in an intentional mentoring relationship. I've got a few of those where someone has said, hey, can we meet regularly and just talk about life? Yes. Um, every parent has responsibilities to disciple their little ones. You know, way to go, by the way, on memory verses. That is so smart of you and godly to spend time with your children to learn verses. You're putting into their, their future life and liberty and, and correctness. And uh, you know, every parent has this responsibility. And, and, and you, find, you will find joy pouring into your soul um, as you invest in the future of some young person or some couple. Lisa and I meet regularly with, it with, uh, seems like somehow the Lord has always got uh, for us at least one couple now or in the, in the future where we're talking to them about marriage, married life before they get married. It's a good time to invest in them. We've been married a long time and we've bumped into a few lessons w- along the way. And, and um, you know, I meet regularly with young men um, and uh, Lisa meets, spends time regularly with young women and it's a joy to invest in people. But now, full, full disclosure, we've not always done this. We have not always been on board with this. And we were missing out when that was happening. So who are you teaching? Who, who, who are you training? Who are you pouring into? Because Jesus said, make disciples. In the abstract, you agree. But in reality, find somebody else, God. You know, find someone else. Here's what I'm, that's what I mean when I say, be careful of agreeing with God in the abstract, but refusing him in reality. So why do we do that? We do it because we feel the gap. You know, I'm not everything I should be. I'm not everything I could be. Somebody else would be better at doing this. So I just feel this gap between who I am and who I need to be. And something's got to close that gap. Moses is going to help us see and help us um, conquer insecurity. You might say, you know, you might, you might, if you're being authentic and real with yourself, you know, because insecurity is real. And you might be saying, you know, I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a discipler. And honestly, I just don't feel up to it. I don't feel like I can do it. There's got to be somebody else. And so God sends somebody else. And I, I agree it's important, but we can't be that far down the list that I'm now being picked. That's how we really think about ourselves. And those are probably how Moses was feeling. He, 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 by the way, this whole passage in Moses are giving us permission to be really honest with ourselves. And God did some awesome, awesome things through Moses. But Moses wasn't perfect, and he didn't have it all together. He wasn't uber confident, and yet somehow he still went for it. And I think we need to, too. Moses had all these issues, you know, and he's, he's saying to himself, who am I to do this? You know, that's, the, that's the last gasp of the insecure person. Who am I? And so we become passive. So let's answer that question. Who am I? Answer, nobody. We're nobody. That's the reality. I'm not going to close the gap by somehow (laughs) self-inflating. Instead, I'm just this nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. And that's healthy. I'm not trying to pump myself up to close that gap. I'm not trying to convince myself that I'm better than I am. I'm not listening to some nonsense about how God needs Terry because the truth is that if Terry refuses, um, God will find someone else and he'll still accomplish his will. The only difference is I'm going to lose out on a blessing. 
Conquering insecurity means coming to this place where we recognize that I'm not good enough to close the believability gap. I, I, I'm not smart enough to, to close the capability gap. I'm not, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not strong enough to close the availability gap. Those things are never I'm going to close the gap. Only God can close the gap. And, and that's that feeling that you have of insecurity that I can't do it, I just can't get this done, that's not going away. And that's because God engineered you and me to be incomplete without him. God is the one. And in partnership with him, that gap will get closed. Only then can I be the husband the father, the employee, the Christian, the, the church family member that God wants me to be. Okay, so now let's circle back and um, see the answers that God gives Moses along the way. Okay, back to verse one. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what's in your hand? Interesting that God seems to deflect, but he's not deflecting. He's using what's right in front of us. He said, and Moses answered, he said, it's a staff. And God said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But, but the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. That's not smart to do. <laughs> Snakes have a response when you grab by the tail. They, they have a self-protection going, I'm going to go crazy response. And um, I've heard people say, well, they also lack the muscular ability to curl back and bite you in the hand. That may or not, may or, may or not be true, but I can tell you they can bite your ankles, your thighs, and everything else. They're going to go nuts on you if you grab. Don't grab a snake by the tail unless God tells you. <laughs> and just before that, the snake was your staff. Okay, then it's, okay. Then it's apparently that's, that's the literal uh, lesson here. So, so he, God says to, so he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That had to have been amazing. You know, why did you do that, God? That they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So God does his miracle for him. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. <laughs> Anybody here have a cloak? We don't have cloaks anymore. I read this and I always chuckle. This is a complete rabbit trail. You know, when I went to elementary school, we had a cloak room, but none of the kids had cloaks. Anyway, whatever, whatever that means. So um, uh, that's nothing. Okay, a distraction. Um, again, the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, it was probably, if, if Moses is a cool guy, he probably had a members only jacket. <laughs> only a few of you remember members only? The rest of you were not, not cool enough, I guess. I don't know. So then he said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they'll not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, then they may believe the latter sign. If they did not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. <laughs> How many of you moms would like to have this in your um, toolkit? The kids are not quite getting with the program. Maybe they're not following the Lord, and you just have had it with them, and there you are, and you throw down your purse, and it turns into a snake, and you grab it by the trail, and they're going, <laughs> tail. I mean, imagine how cool it is, you know, throw down your torque wrench, guys, or your frying pan, or whatever it is you got in your hands, and it, okay. <laughs> Sounds kind of fun, but I don't think 
that's what the passage here is teaching. I, I don't think, you know, the passage is teaching that God wants you to be able to do these things that Moses did. So there's some interesting little things in this text. Moses keeps calling God Lord. And if you look carefully at the wording, it's not the all uppercase Lord. He keeps calling him the Hebrew word for Lord that means sovereign ruler. He's not calling him I am. He's not calling him that. He's, he's like, yes, sir, ruler, Lord, sir. I, I, sadly, I think Moses still doesn't know God here yet. And these four miracles that just happened, you know, the burning bush, the, um, the serpent, the leprous hand, the, 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 the Nile. God's done these miracles for Moses. Here's what God is really saying here to Moses. I am the Lord. Tell your story about us. Tell them about us. He's giving Moses a story to tell. And I look around this room, and I know, I know some of your stories. I mean, I know the Lord has done some really great things for some of you people. And here's what this passage is telling us. You have a story. You have a story. You have, you know, you have some chapters in your book about what the Lord has done for you. That's your story. And you, you probably, well, I shouldn't say probably. I would say this about me. I don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve to be where you are either, you know, and, and not, at least not because of your own strength. And God intended, you know, and he intervened and he answered some prayer and he kept us going and he saved your marriage and he brought your children home and he reversed some test results. And, and God's done some things for you and that's your miracle, that's your story, that's, you know, what you get to tell. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I want some more stories. Awesome. Get some more stories. You know, um, God's at work in your life. And you overcome uh, insecurity by getting some stories of God, his faithfulness to you. God's giving Moses stories to tell. When I was, um, I I, I probably have mentioned this this event at some point. When I was a young man, um, I found myself in a situation that, as I saw it, my life, whole life in front of me was absolutely unraveling. And um, I'm not going to go into the details of it, but I'll just tell you that if you knew the details, you would agree. This was no small deal, and your life would have been unraveling in front of you, too. And, and I found myself um, uh, with a friend, and literally on my face, crying into the carpet, and... Um, that I didn't matter what it looked like. It didn't matter what was going on. And I was a wet, sloppy mess. And, and uh, I was literally crying out to God, not audibly, but in my soul, crying physically. You could hear me crying if you had been there, but you would not have heard a single word that I said. And I was crying out to God, why, what? And I had all these questions. And um, this person who was this friend who was sitting with me um, is someone who I would, I would consider uh, as gifts, prophetic gifts, and you can read about that in, um, in the Word. It's not predicting the future. It's uh, building up and encouraging and edifying. And, and uh, somehow he had a real sensitivity to what, the, what, what heaven was speaking in those moments. And I literally had a conversation with God where in my soul, I did not audibly say it out loud. I asked God very direct, specific questions. And all of a sudden, out of my friend's mouth came a very specific, audible answer to the question. And I would cry out something else to God and a different, this conversation, I had an audible conversation with the Lord 
And through the pain of those moments, I knew the Lord was with me and he would not abandon me. And I know that will never change for me. That's my story. That's my story. You have those stories. So Moses is getting some stories here, <laughs> and God wants to, you to share your stories, and that's what's going to help con conquer insecurity. Tell your story. Second thing is this. I am the Lord. I made you perfect for this. Do you understand that? Okay, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Wow, cool, incredible, that's great. Notice that God doesn't say, oh, Moses, you're amazing, you're, 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 you're wonderful, you're special, you'll be good. No, that's not what he's saying. You know, Moses, I'm not a very good talker, God. And God says, I made you that way. <laughs> I, I made you that way. <laughs> no, sorry, that's a bad <laughs> He's saying, I made you that way, Moses. I made you that way. To me, that's a way, way, way better answer because I am the way that God made me to be. I'm not talking here about sin problems. I'm not talking here about selfish problems. I'm, I'm talking about the, the personal shortcomings that we have as well as our strengths and our, our, our intellect and our, you know, our, our confidence. Not the things that you caused and I caused, but the things that God allowed that we think are holding us back, the things that God allowed, because God is saying, these are the things um, that, that as I begin to use you are going to keep you humble, Terry. I, I certainly have my things. Moses had his. You have yours. <laughs> we do. Notice how this list expands. Then the Lord said to him, who's made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Who makes human frailty? Is it not I, the Lord? Wow, 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 wow. Why was I born like this? Is it not I, the Lord? You're perfect for the job that I have for you. Don't forget that. You are absolutely fashioned by the creator of the universe in every respect to be 100% effective at that for which he has called you to be. You're perfect for it. Well, I don't talk good. Moses, you're perfect. What are you so concerned? You know, what you're, what you're so concerned about is going to cause you to lean into me. Okay, verse 13. Now, therefore, go, and here it is. I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Wow, loving God. But he said, oh, my, my Lord, please send someone else. Really? Really, Moses? Okay, I'm the Lord. Tell your story about us. Two, I am the Lord. I made you perfect in the job. Here it is. I'm three. Three, I am the Lord. I will make a way for you. Moses is still feeling insecurity. You know, God, isn't there somebody else better? Verse 14, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. So there's a question for us to ask. Is God sometimes angry because we refuse to do the things that he's, he's asking or commanding us to do? Answer is yes. You know, if you think that it's all good with God that you never share your faith, you think that it's all good with God that you don't ever disciple anybody, that you don't speak, any, that, that you're not growing as a worshiper, really? You know, you've got, we've got these reasons. I'm not perfect. I'm not blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, 
the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, is there not Aaron, uh, is there not Aaron your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. How does God know Aaron can speak well? He made him. Thank you for the answer there. He made him. Okay. That was a pretty silly question for me to ask. Um, Behold, he's coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Get ready, Moses. He, he wants to help you. Now, I know this better than anybody else, probably, um, at least in this church, that um, you know, the blessing that on our church, the, 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 the fruitfulness that's present in our church, and Lisa and I have given nine plus years here so far, is less about the person that you're standing here looking at and more about this string of people um, that the Lord has, has surrounded us with. Um, you know, I could go down this list of you know, Pastor Aaron and Pastor Seth and their wives and, and Rachel and Steve and Teacher Terry and on and on and on. This list would go on and on and on. And I would leave out a lot of important people if I, if I tried to. But they're responsible for God's sustaining work here. And God did not ask Moses to do it all. He, he put people around Moses to support his insecurity. <laughs> and the best thing that God did was not the people that he put around him. Verse 15, you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. And there it is. I will be with. I will be with he shall speak for you to the people. He shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. Best in all of that is this. I am the Lord. I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. What fills that gap? Only that. Just the Lord. Just the Lord. Nothing else. Ultimately, the Lord through other people or the Lord himself the Lord is the one that fills the gap. And you are not going to experience um, that until you step out by faith and begin to trust God. So here today, you've got dreams about what the Lord maybe wants to do in your life. You've got to launch out by faith. You've, you've got to trust the Lord with everything that he wants you to be. My insecurity is eclipsed by the Lord's security. My, my inability is, is empowered by the Lord's ability. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Let's pray. God, today, um, how good is it to know that this does not depend upon my capabilities or anything close to that, but instead our tomorrows that you have a hope for uh, they rest upon you, Lord. They, they, rest, they rest upon the loving God who has a plan, and that plan is a future and a hope. Thank you, Lord, that it's not dependent upon what I can muster up. It's not dependent upon my willpower. It's not dependent upon my, my past and my record, but instead it's upon the King who has come with promise and life and hope. So, Lord, for for insecurity, we ask you just to squash it. And we know that that's going to be a partnership between you and us. We know that as we lean into you, that we're going to find that you are the one, Lord, who empowers us. You are the one with the ability. You are the one who can overcome our past. So Lord, instead of looking around and looking at our credentials and looking at what, our, what we think we can do, Lord, we look into... The, the eyes of the loving one who has said, I've called you to this. I've made you this way. This is perfect. We're going to go together. I will be with you. 
I'd like um, to ask um, actually for people to keep your eyes closed in the next couple of minutes. There may be people present who are trying to walk through life absent God. You know of God, but you do not know God. You know there is something between you and peace with God, but you don't know how to cross that gulf. You know that there is something about eternity and you're concerned about it because you realize that you have no control. It's completely a decision made by God. There's no checklist that you can accomplish, no way you can guarantee, no contract you can form that guarantees you an eternity. God saw that about us. He saw our inability to get there. He saw our weaknesses and our impurities and our sin, and he said, you know what? I love these people so much. I will provide a way. But here's the thing. When God provided the way, he determined the parameters of the way. You can't pick how you get to heaven. Your only choice is to follow and submit yourself to the way the creator of the heavens and the earth made, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. God loved the world so much that he said, I'm going to send my son, and he will go, and he will be the sacrifice, and he will pay the price of sin for many. And those who call upon the name of Christ, this is in the scripture, it says those who call on him for salvation will be saved. This is not about joining a church. This is not about you doing things. It's not about you giving money. This is about you making a decision, accepting the fact that you are a sinner, imperfect, unable to get to heaven on your own, and that God loved you enough to pay the price and invite you through his son to heaven. If you, if you want that, that's all that it takes. An acknowledgement that Jesus Christ came, he died, he rose in the grave, he paid the price for your sin, and you're willing to accept it. If you believe that with your heart and confess it with your mouth, you'll be saved. And the way you do that is you just acknowledge that and you tell somebody sometime, hey, I, I, I'm different because I believe God has paid the price for my sin. I will be in heaven. That's the confession of your mouth. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that. So right in this moment, I'm not going to ask for any sort of public display. I'm not asking for anybody to come up here. I'm not asking for anybody to raise your hands. I'm just asking for you to say in your soul, okay. I will seal this eternity forever. I will have my name written in something called the Lamb's Book of Life. I will be in heaven because of Christ, not because of me. Make that decision right now. Are you doing that right now? If you are, I encourage you to share this with someone. That's the confession of your mouth. Sometime, tell someone soon. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.